Well, good morning. Oh, this, I just about tripped on the carpet. You could, I could have, in my mind's eye, I could have tripped, fallen onto the can. It would have been a mess, but see, God, God's watching over my, <laughs> me today. I'm Pastor Brad Bergfalk, and um, I am delighted to be with you this morning in our second Sunday in the season of Advent. And I don't know how you generate your enthusiasm about Christmas. I tend to do it kind of on a rolling start. Um, as soon as my wife will let me to start play Christmas music, I do that. Um, it can't happen before Thanksgiving unless she happens to be out shopping or something, then I can sneak it in. Oh, and then uh, I'll watch a couple Christmas movies, as I did this weekend. Uh, the one for the very first time, which I'm a little ashamed to say, was the movie um, White Christmas with Bing Crosby and Danny Kaye. It's an old kind of classic Christmas film. Some of you are nodding your heads who are in the, in the room here today. I'd, I'd never seen it before. And it's actually, it's not a bad movie. It's, you know, it's, I have other favorites, but it was, it was okay. And, uh, and then this past week with a couple of friends of ours, we went down to the Arboretum for their Christmas light uh, walk, stroll, I guess they call it. And, and every rock, every tree, every fence, every, I mean, it's just lights everywhere. So I'm starting to get myself into the season. And here we are um, uh, in our second Sunday of, of uh, worship in Advent and a second series of sermons uh, that is called today, uh, um, The Peace of Zechariah. That's the title of my sermon, and so see whether or not you can glean something out of this sermon with me uh, for the next few moments. I'd like to read for you uh, from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verse 8 through 25. It's a fairly lengthy um, section of Scripture. If you're watching from home, feel free to uh, uh, follow along in your Bible or on your digital device. And likewise, if you're in the building here, you're welcome to do that as well. So here it is, Luke chapter 1, verse 8 through 25. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. So get this picture, right? One, one of the priests that is on duty in the temple uh, at any given time draws a straw or lot and gets to go in and, and light incense in the Holy of Holies. And in this case, all of the people wait outside because they actually believe that the priest is going into the presence of God in, in that act. And then at verse 11, it, it continues, Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled, and he was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. And he will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah." to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. 
Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but he remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. So Zechariah was a good priest. He performed his responsibilities as a priest with dedication and faithfulness. In fact, because he was born into the priestly lineage of Aaron, uh, he grew up, Zechariah grew up knowing that he would more than likely become a temple priest from a very young age, because that's kind of how it worked back then. And then here in Luke chapter 1, Zechariah and Elizabeth are described to us like this. It's a different section of scripture. It's just one uh, verse I want to read for you. It, It goes like this. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all of the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well on in years. So while Zechariah was engaged in his priestly duties, a messenger from God, an angel, appears to him, and the scriptures say that Zechariah was startled and gripped with fear. Now this is all in contrast, if you think about it for a moment, to Mary's response to the angel, and and Zechariah doesn't respond like Mary at all when she says, let it be to me as you have said, right? Right? I mean, what a wonderful response to hearing the news that you're going to be the the, the mother of uh, the Son of God. Let it be unto me, as you have said. Uh, Zechariah, on the other hand, his fear in this text is almost palpable. Think about it. Zechariah is in the God business. Yet he is gripped with fear as he encounters this messenger from God. The angel, Gabriel, has good news. He tells Zechariah that he's going to be a dad. And instead of responding with joy and exuberance, Zechariah is paralyzed with fear. Now, what's going on here with Zechariah? He knows the liturgy of the church inside and out. He reads the Hebrew scriptures faithfully every day. He fulfills his duties as a religious professional, yet when the angel of the Lord stops by with a little good news for him, Zechariah is beside himself with fear and doubt and disbelief. How does that work? 
Now, Zechariah clarifies what he thought he heard the angel say when he asks, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well on in years. Now, how do you like the way that Zechariah refers to himself as old and his wife as well on in years? Well done, Zechariah. Well done. Zechariah was a good man, and he was a faithful priest. He dedicated his life to the practice of his faith in the temple. And when a messenger of God confronts him with a little bit of good news, it's as if Zechariah crawls into a a hole of fear and doubt, waiting for the storm to pass so he can get back to his priestly business. Zechariah was a good priest, but he had his own ideas of how God works in the world. And an old man and an old woman getting pregnant with their first and only child is not Zechariah's nor Elizabeth's understanding of how the world is supposed to work. So the angel Gabriel, I think in an act of frustration, it seems to me, um, responds to Zechariah's unbelief and he makes him speechless. He takes his voice away. And so Zechariah returns to his everyday normal routines of being a priest, just like before, but now he's mute, can't talk. Now, Zechariah, as I alluded to earlier in this uh, message, was a descendant of the lineage of priests who, as far as we know, were good priests. Now, Zechariah also is a unique name. There's, if you go into the scripture, you'll find all kinds of Zechariahs. I think there's around 30 different references to a Zechariah someplace in the scripture. And you know what this name means, which, is, which makes this story even more ironic, and one of the reasons why uh, Zechariah is one of my favorite characters in the whole story. Uh, Zechariah's name means God remembers. God remembers. At the very calling of his name, this old priest is reminded of the promises of God. From Abraham and Sarah down to the announcement of the birth of his own son, the words that form on his lips every time he speaks his own name reminds him of the character of a faithful God. God remembers Zechariah. Every time somebody utters Zechariah's name, whether it's his wife Elizabeth telling him to stop at the store and pick up some eggs or whatever, um, he is reminded that the God whom he served does not forget and will not forget and cannot forget the promises that God has made from time and eternity to God's people. Zechariah means God remembers. And and Zechariah was a good priest. You've heard me say say this a number of times. I'm trying to emphasize that for you today. He he knew the ritual of his practice inside and out, and and he and Elizabeth were faithful. That's what the scripture says. Yet because of his unbelief, he becomes speechless at the spectacle of God's promise. He loses his voice because he can't believe that God remembers. 
just like his name. Zechariah watches in this time of speechlessness. He continues to do the the duties of a priest, and he learns a lot about God during that that time of silence, I suspect, although there's no scripture verse that that suggests what all he may have learned. And then eventually, Zechariah recovers his voice as God fulfills the promise, which Zechariah's name points out, God remembers. And then these, these are the first words that come out of Zechariah's lips when God granted him speech after this time of, of silence and unbelief. And this is what Zechariah sings. Praise the Lord, the Lord of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. I can just um, almost feel what it must have been like for Zechariah when God gave him his voice back. It began at what at first maybe was just uh, testing whether when he uh, pushed air through his, his, his uh, air passage, waiting for sound. And, and his voice begins to rise with strength as he recounts the goodness of God in the presence of their enemies. Zechariah proclaims the goodness of God with conviction as he remembers that God will prepare the way for the Lord through the birth of his own son named John. And and this birth, this this birth of his own son exhibits in in a real sense the mercy of God and it points to the good news that will rise like the sun in the morning and will bring light into the darkness just as Zechariah sings. And then I I imagine that Zechariah finds his cadence. He discovers his timber. He locates the sweet spot of his voice. And his voice soars into heavenly places as he concludes his song like this. And in the shadow of death, this God will guide our feet into a path of peace. Thus our theme for today. Zechariah was a good priest. He knew the religious rituals inside and out. He was in the God business after all. And he was faithful as the day is long. And yet when push came to shove, the depth of of Zechariah's faith could not fathom the truth that the God who makes promises actually keeps them. And, And Zechariah begins to recover his voice, but only after he's had time to sort of speechlessly contemplate the promises of God, which that's not a bad thing for us to do in Advent, by the way, as an aside. Talk less, listen, and pay attention more, and you might be surprised what you see God do and what you might see, how you might see the faithfulness of God exhibited in your life. What has been for Zechariah sort of an exercise in religious practice would finally come to the place where Zechariah understood and he was able to sing with conviction about this peace that God was offering him. 
And just like poor old Zechariah, we too, you and I, if we're honest, occasionally find ourselves confronted with the realities of our own unbelief and our own doubt and our own um, sadness in the midst of this remarkable story that we are walking through this Advent Christmas season. We've been there and done that, we say. We have sung all the Christmas carols. We've got our favorites and the others we don't like as much. But yeah, we know, we know, how, we know how Christmas ends up. We know the end of the story. We've seen all of the Christmas pageants that we ever want to see. We are good and faithful practitioners of our faith. In fact, sometimes during the Christmas Advent season, we even become more faithful, right? At least that's what I've observed. Yet, when we are confronted by the faithfulness of God, our faith sometimes becomes like jello. Our tongues become glued to the roof of our mouth like when you put too much Peter, uh, peanut butter on your peanut butter sandwich and, and your tongue can't move as, as quickly as it would otherwise. We, you and I, just like Zechariah, are dumbfounded by the faithfulness of God. And if you think about it, that's not a bad place to start being dumbfounded by the faithfulness of God because that's what God's faithfulness ought to do to us. And it is this story of God's goodness and God's faithfulness that reminds us every Advent season of the birth of this child in a manger that is not an ordinary birth. To put it in Zechariah's words, he, that is Jesus, is the horn of our salvation and the one who will guide us from the shadow of death into the path of peace. Oh, that we would understand that's what Jesus offers us this season. I don't know what path you happen to be walking on this uh, Advent Christmas season. Perhaps you are right now dying a million deaths as your plans and your dreams have been snatched from you by either sickness or death or bad decision-making or COVID. They all can play into this, uh, this time of year, right? Perhaps you're on a path which you travel this holiday season, a path of, of fruitfulness and blessing, but it doesn't seem to matter as much to you as it once did in the midst of your exhaustion and trying to you know, keep track of your kids while they're going to school at home and all of the other things that has made our, our, our 2020 a challenging year at best. Maybe the path that you trod upon is a path of suffering and personal loss that has made you speechless God, why me? Why us? What have we done? Has made you speechless as you discover what you thought was your unwavering faith now as you look at it laying in pieces at your feet. Whichever is the case, I want you to know that it is in our dumbfounded silence and unbelief that God comes into our lives this Advent season. You don't, have to you don't have to have everything worked out. 
You don't have to know all the answers to all the hard questions. And it's at the very darkest places on our path where uh, God's light shines so that we can take the next step. Notice what I didn't say. I didn't say God's light shines so that we can see far into the distance. It rarely works that way, at least in my experience. The, The light of God that shines for us may just give us the next step and the step after that. And it's when our voices are hoarse from crying out to God in the midst of our own sense of doubt that God announces the birth of a child who comes into the world to guide our feet, as Zechariah would say, onto a path of peace. This is no mere Christmas wish that I'm talking about. This isn't turning down the corners of the Sears catalog so that Santa knows what presents to purchase for us and and place under the tree. And if you don't know uh, what a Sears catalog is, you may have to consult with your parent or your grandparent because I don't know that uh, we do that anymore. Let me just say this. God's faithfulness is as certain as the sun rises. Yes, see, he gets it. God's faithfulness is as certain as the sun rises. And we can raise our voices with the same song that rose from the lips of Zechariah when he says, he is the horn of our salvation and the one who will guide us from the shadow of death into the path of peace. May God's unexpected peace be on our lips and evident in our lives as we journey through this Advent season together.